three, two, one. Woo! Welcome to another episode yeah! of Saturday Night show. Live. This is my favorite show on TV. <laughs> yep, that's right. It's me, Tom <laughs> Hanks, here to give you another hour and a half of sketch comedy. No, that's not what this is. This is Media Majors, the storytelling podcast about major media, co-hosted by... Yours truly, Tom Lockney. And yours truly, Liam Sr. And sometimes we have guests on, too, as is the case today. Hello. Listeners can see that, Eric. <laughs> can see when what? You, I don't know what you're talking about. When you raise about. your beer glass, they can see that. No, that's mm. not a thing that just happened. Eric's a guest on the on the cast today. You will remember Eric from previous guest episodes. <laughs> Several of them. And on this show, we tell each other stories from our preferred mediums. I like video games and the internet. I like movies and TV. And we force Eric <laughs> to like one thing on this Just show. Just one. And the only thing that I like in the whole world is sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, each week, we center it around a theme. The stories. <laughs> we center them around the theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, and it's just this whole week, the week of the whole week. <laughs> July 21st. The theme was technicalities or bad rules or based on the novel Push by Sapphire. <laughs> Who's going first this week? I'm going to go first. Cool. Because mine was topical, but we took the week off. <laughs> the year is 1936. The place is England. It's probably still black and white at this point. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think England had color until the 50s. That sounds uh, right. They had just launched the television branch. Uh, the BBC had just launched the television branch, having previously been just a radio broadcasting company. And they did with shows like Mrs. Kipper's Biscuit Time and Stiff Upper Lips the Word, Mum, and everyone's favorite show, Pendleton's Haberdashery. Okay, I need okay, actual actual question, are those real shows? None of those were real. Okay. But they did they did air a show called Fancy That, so I wasn't like super far off. <laughs> you weren't like making stuff up from whole cloth here. Yeah. I had I had a lot to work with. But what they did show was a soccer game a year after they launched the television. Oh gosh, my my story is a soccer game as well. The first televised soccer match aired in nineteen thirty seven. Uh, it was the club Arsenal versus the Arsenal Reserves. So it was a professional soccer club versus the kids who were trying to get into the professional soccer club. <laughs> Here was the actual like TV schedule for that day. At 3 p.m., it was a new episode of Fancy That <laughs> with an exclamation point after that. Yeah, okay, cool. At 3.30, it was British movie, British movie tin news. <laughs> Movie to news. Movie to news, all one word. At 3.40, it was football at the Arsenal. At 3.55, it was a cartoon. And at 4 p.m., that was it. TVs were done. (laughs) Pack it up, boys. It was 15 minutes of soccer. I think if you you went back in time and handed somebody a phone, what would not happen is is they wouldn't go like, "What, what is this black magic that you've given me? They would immediately overload their brain with all the great and terrible knowledge we have, and they would they would lose it like yeah, like go a cosmic insane. horror story. Um, the Observer was nevertheless enthused, even though it was fifteen minutes of a soccer game. 
Uh, the football demonstrations from the Arsenal ground showed that even on the small screen, television can give something worth seeing from a game covering so great an amount of ground, said someone who I think was having a stroke at the end of this. <laughs> like, he was... L- <laughs> As he was reading it, like, someone sent him a note that said, like, all of your money has been stolen and your father is dead. And he had to, like, keep reading. Got your social security. <laughs> it was great upon the ground on the small screen. Uh, the program was only seen by a handful of viewers, um, but it was like a still a success. That Saturday, Arsenal played Sunder- Sunderland 4-1, and you could watch most of the game. And then later in the year, the FA Cup final between Sunderland and Preston was shown also in part. And then in the following April, the first international game between England and Scotland was broadcast, and it was a huge hit. So they started putting as many games as they could on television. Yeah, I was going to ask... Is, was there a, a reason for why they just did little snippets of the games? They only had the TV for... You would only have an hour of television. Oh. Like a day. Okay, gotcha. All right. So they couldn't show the whole game, so they'd only show a little bit because they had to show that they had to do advertisements and they had to do all this other stuff. Huh. But then once... But once, like, ITV came around in the 50s and um, once floodlighting was How invented, long did the one hour a day thing last? Not very long, maybe like thirties to forties, and then it it got like longer a, that's and longer. A, that's a pretty long time, though. Like, but yeah. it would get longer and longer. So, like, then okay. it was three hours, then All it right. was three channels at three hours, then it was it, it it it's a whole creep upwards, and yeah. now it's like a billion channels just showing. Nothing. Commercial, like one just of showing them, one of them. Just there. We do there have are, we do have channels that are just for long commercials. There are channels that you can purchase that just like put up a static image and play some old R and B. Like there are some channels that just tell you what's on the other channels. Oh my god. Uh, but with the invention of floodlighting and with the formation of ITV, they could show any type of game, like at night, in the morning, whenever. There was live coverage of the World Cup on UK screens in 1954 and 1958, but only selected matches were available. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was live commentary during a Switzerland game, but a thunderstorm uh, cut off the, the, like, signal and people wrote in angrily saying like why did the bbc pull the plug i was watching the game i was <laughs> that would suck so bad in that era oh because what ah oh, shit fuck i was gonna watch 15 minutes of the game today with the boys well now this is the 50s I forgot so to get eggs you get a whole so i have to run to the store and by the time i get back the fucking game's gonna be up and me and my lads are gonna be Wait, left whoa, with whoa, nothing. whoa 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 hold on you needed eggs to watch the game? <laughs> no, oh, you no. can't wash your footy without your eggs, well, mate. <laughs> well, George and I were going to bake a cake tonight, and, and if I don't get eggs, then it's going to hurt our relationship. And I prioritize my relationship over my friendship with the lads. Listen. It couldn't wait 15 minutes? When you watch the English football team, you got to hold a loose egg in your shirt pocket. It's tradition. For good luck. For Bobby Charleston. <laughs> I eat my <laughs> eggs whole. So when the 1962 World Cup in Chile was covered, uh, they had to figure out how to do proper international broadcasting, and they did. And the next big cup was the World Cup in 1966, hosted in England. Oh, shit. And uh, this was the one that England won. Yeah. <laughs> Only World Cup that they've won. To this day. Uh, real close. Recently. <laughs> 
and we shit the bed. <laughs> Still hurts. <laughs> but this was huge. Like, BBC One and BBC Two were becoming a thing. Match of the Day was basically just an hour of soccer highlights. Uh, soccer was here. 400 million people turned into the 66 World Cup, um, and the BBC realized that, like, hey, we're sitting on a gold mine. But there was a tiny problem. Color TVs were not accessible yet, so all the games were broadcasted in black and white. So everything, the pitch, the jerseys, even the ball, were broadcast without color. To understand why that was a problem, we need to go further back in time. Okay. To the Ooh. 1800s, 1836. <laughs> Charles 2000 <Goodyear>. BC! 2000 <laughs> BC! A caveman named Gronk is colorblind. An explosion of chemicals create the universe. <laughs> and that caveman decides to sell the chemicals as meth to make money for oh, his no. family. The first caveman color salesman bad. was born. Soon the whole world would be painted in his wares. Uh, according to pre-medieval legend, an entire village would kick a skull along the path to a nearby village square. The opposing village would in turn attempt to kick the skull to the first village square. Some would say this is the first soccer match. I would say that this is the most heavy metal thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> in 1836, Charles Goodyear patented vulcanized rubber. Prior to this, balls were dependent on the size and shapes of pig's bladders. Gross. So Charles Goodyear designed vulcanized rubber soccer balls, and they basically had like interlocking uh, trapezoids that would make up a ball. Then in 1862, a guy named H.J. Linden, or as I'll be referring to him as Handjob Linden, developed <laughs> one of the first inflatable rubber bladders for balls. So basically, uh, you would have a rubber inflatable ball, and then they would put leather around it. Yeah. Um, but because it was leather, and because no one was, like, watching on a black and white TV at the time, it was just that kind of, it was just, like, a deep reddish brown. Mm -hmm. On a black and white TV it would blend in with the pitch because greens and reds and oh, black and white have the same color. Yeah, so people yeah. would be watching the games and they'd be like, I Where literally can't. Like they're just running around <laughs> and kicking. They're kicking a thing and then the net moves <laughs> and I'm scared. This is the sun god. Um, so something had to be done. Uh, so the American architect Richard Buckminster Fuller came up with the design that he was trying to find a way for constructing buildings using a, ma a minimum of materials. Uh, using a series of hexagons and pentagons, he composed a 3D shape called the truncated I iso, iso... Let me take a, let me take a crack at that, English brother. Major? Icosahedron. Icosahedron. Yeah. That was made of 12 regular pentagonal faces and 20 regular hexagonal faces. Adidas took this idea and ran with it. They made the 20 hexagons white and the 12 pentagons black. Uh, the ball was introduced in the 1968 Euro Cup, and it became the official ball in 1970 World Cup in Mexico, and it became the de facto look for a soccer ball in all of our hearts. It was called the Adidas Telstar, and for a while, for like 30 years, that was what soccer balls looked like. Mm -hmm. And then... They figured out, like, uh, Mobius strip versions to wrap around the balls, and they did all these other things. And then the most recent World Cup happened in Russia, and they did a, like, revitalized, uh, truncated I icosahedron, that's the fella, um, specifically <laughs> to look like the Telstar. And when you look at it, it definitely looks like, we are Telstar from the future. But I just thought it was so strange that the reason, like the that iconic the look of a soccer ball, was because, oh, bloody hell, I can't see the ball in my 
fucking game. Fuck. I got my 15 fucking minutes of TV. I bought eggs this time. <laughs> I remembered. Everyone's got an egg watching the and game. I turn on the telly, and what do I see? I see nothing. That's the I see point. Nothing. Uh, anyways, that is my story Hell about yeah, TV. Splits. That's so cool. I thought uh, there's a great video that Vox did, and I just thought it would be cool to learn about soccer broadcasting history and how they made soccer balls. So there you go. Uh, usually we take a break, but I think we should just roll right into yeah, Tom's man. story. Oh, yes. People ask me, why should I listen to your podcast? Because there's like 10 million X-Files podcasts in there. I say, one, we give great commentary. Because all those other X-Files podcasts, they're just like fucking masturbating over Chris Carter's creation. Yeah. Number two, we will make you come. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's gonna happen. We'll, we'll hit a button sooner or later. Yeah, we're, you know what? We're gonna cover so many fucking hot topics, and one of them someday, gonna be yours. Gonna and be you yours. might not even know it. You'll be sitting there listening, you'll be like, oh, damn. <laughs> I completed, and I didn't even know that was my thing. Five stars. <laughs> Review, please. Catch the Double X-Files, Tuesdays at noon on your favorite podcast app. Baby, we'll treat you so right. All right. We're back. Here we go. Whoa. That was a nice. good ad. That was a great ad. My favorite part of the ad was when uh, everyone who listened to the ad also checked out the show that the ad was for. Yeah. Patents have two general requirements. One, the subject matter must be patentable, so you can't patent a medium like video games because then only the patent holder would be able to create video games. <laughs> okay, I'm two. following you so far. Two, the invention must be useful, novel, and non-obvious. So, like, you can't patent a type of broom. You couldn't, yeah, like, you Fuck. couldn't, you couldn't put, uh, like, ah. say specifically, like, you could, I guess, theoretically patent your brand's version of a type of broom, but you couldn't, you couldn't patent, like, a push broom. I was gonna make the broom, too. Oh, man. But. It was gonna have two staffs oh. instead of, yeah, one broom head with two, so you and your loved one could man, that broom Mine was gonna be gas-powered. so horny. Fart or natural? Natural. Oh, okay. I'm less understood. <laughs> I don't think patents are good. Patents are often. Well, the... What about Patton Oswalt? <laughs> he's on extremely yeah. thin ice. Yeah. 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 He's patents been there for a long time. Yeah. He's just really making a just, cottage on that thin ice. He just keeps skating, and we just keep saying, "Patent, patent, get, get off the ice, ice. get off." Uh, they are the enemy excessive. They are the enemy of accessibility. They do not grant a patent holder intellectual security. They deliver unto them a level of power and control that is often abused, as is the case with many pharmaceuticals. Uh, additionally, the acquisition of patents is not a level playing playing field. It is often an orchard of power for the already powerful. Uh, this is how patent trolls can function. Ah, I know about patent trolls. They have a, su a su surprisingly high intelligence, but are, are <laughs> they're quicker than you think, and their teeth—they yeah. are sharp. Yeah, they yeah. do piercing and bludgeon damage when they bite. So yeah. you gotta you gotta make sure you do a lot of ranged attacks. Let's let Tom talk now. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everybody. 
uh, because there are often things that clearly can't and shouldn't be patented, like podcasts, but people with resources can attempt to patent these things. In but a, people? In an attempt <laughs> to profit off of the existence of, like again, things like podcasts, without having to do work for themselves. They often rely on the fact that the targets of their patents don't have a lot of money, something that is increasingly easy to do as certain industries, like pharmaceuticals, as wealth consolidates within them. The first game to implement a minigame in its loading screen that I could find. Oh, that's what we're doing! I know this part of this story, not all of it. <laughs> Skyline Attack for the Commodore 64, and many other game dev outlets snagged this fun little idea. It's a fun way to maintain pace, and you can even use it for storytelling purposes. Mm -hmm. Basically to mask loading times, a, a minigame, so like something that's simpler, is not doesn't require as much processing power, can run while the game actually preps the next area level what whatever the fuck you want to That's call. a really good idea. Mhm. Well, well, well <laughs> that, wait, wait, can I awesome. Tom, can I can <laughs> no, I do the leading like... question? Tom, can I do the leading question? Yes. Liam, have you ever wondered why we don't see a lot of those in a lot of video games? Well, I have a feeling we're going to find out. Yeah. One of the titles to take advantage of this idea was Ridge Racer. I don't know if that's actually how it goes, but I know that there is a way to say that title. Tell us if we're wrong. Published by Namco in 1993. They clearly thought this was a really good idea and filed for patent in 1995. It was a rousing success. They got their patent, and for the next 20 years, games were not allowed to put minigames into their fucking loading screen. That's fucked up it sucks that would be like if you patent a dolly shot or something like that <laughs> like go fuck mm -hmm. yourself oh this did not force innovation obvious yeah that's like the big it, it, argument for patents it's like it forces innovation and like it it did and it didn't in this case because yeah like obviously loading screens had done different things in different ways before the patent was released all it did was prevent other developers from using the format to play with pace in that particular way so it didn't actually, like, like other loading screen ideas would have naturally come up anyways. Things like just trying to mask them or, like, you know, how, like, in Skyrim, how you can just, like, twist around an uh, in-game model or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, that probably would have been done anyways. But all this meant was that, like, you took an interesting idea that could have been innovated and iterated upon and locked it off for everybody. Ugh, except for Namco, who was, like... Just, I don't know. Yeah, Resident Evil had its doors. Assassin's Creed had its weird empty spaces to run around in. Oh, and yeah, I remember like, that. And games like Splinter Cell Conviction or Mass Effect tried to cleverly mask load times with crafty camera work and elevators, respectively. In 2015, the patent expired, but the damage was done. Many games and loading screens are still a rarity, even though you can, you can do this now. Uh, though it does feature in some games, such as entries in the Five Nights at Freddy's series. And hey, guess what? Like, no, like I'm not going to sit here and be like, I think that Five Nights at Freddy's tells a brilliant story. But I think that it, like, tells its story, tries to do interesting ways with the minigame storytelling format that allows that game to tell its story and flesh out its world in a way that like works and would not have been available to it if this patent had stood yeah man you really should talk about five nights at freddy's one day i'm gonna that 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 is one cultural phenomenon that i like i get it because it's something that i like it's an aesthetic that i'm into but i do not understand how it's so popular yeah uh, mm -hmm. If Namco had never taken that patent out, who knows how game story would have evolved and uh, with that avenue available to them. And that, this week, it's my fun little story. Thanks Man. for listening, everybody. Fun little <laughs> <About> story. <that. laughs>
a story of how a specific innovation was locked off from the rest of the industry. Let's uh, let's prove meatloaf wrong, and we'll do three out of three ain't bad for a third not bad story. All right, let's do it, Eric. Well, we we took a we took a brief sojourn into the world of video games, but we're going back to yeah, soccer. Let's get for back this into one. soccer. <laughs> yeah. So my story begins with me asking you a question. Y'all know that uh, soccer's bullshit, right? It's yeah, dumb. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, I quite like soccer. No, no, no. I love soccer, but it's bullshit. Are we talking about faking injuries? Uh, no, we're not. Okay. We could. That's that's a that would be a good thing to talk about because it's it's worth noting that like soccer in general is a really fun game to play with your friends. That's why it's so popular. Mm-hmm. Um. But soccer at the professional level, like, the best strategy available to you is to fake that you've been fouled. <laughs> like, yeah, that's hilarious. I think I think in a lot of ways, professional soccer is, like, like the worst version of what it could be. I think it could be right much now, more interesting, sure. much more engaging to watch, much more fun and competitive than it is. Because right now it feels like all they ever do is, like, manipulate the rules and exploit things to their advantage. We're going to talk about the 1994 Caribbean Cup qualifiers. Hell yeah. Okay, cool. My favorite cup qualifier. There's wow, a- mine too. I'm so excited. <laughs> There's a chance that Liam or Tom, one of you might have heard of this, but I'm there, going there for There's a 0% I, chance that I've heard of feeling, this. I have a feeling, I have a guess. Yeah, I, there's I a chance wrong. you've heard of it is what I'm saying. We're going to look at one particularly dumb rule that was used at this qualifying tournament not the actual cup itself the qualifying matches we'll talk about the actual match in a second but first i've got to set the stage so the qualifying tournament to get into the cup there are group stages much like the world cup with three countries to a group so in this tournament each team plays two games uh in group one are barbados granada and puerto rico in the first two games Puerto Rico beats Barbados 1-0, but loses to Granada 2-0. That means that in going into the final game between Barbados and Granada, Barbados is in last place in the standings, and Granada is in first, coming into their match. So that means that Barbados to, for, for Barbados to pass Granada in the standings, they have to win by at least two goals. Okay. Because you get three points for a win, you get zero points for a loss. Granada's won, Barbados lost, their goal differential is uh, separated by three. That means that Barbados has to win by two to pass them and make it into the into the actual cup. So now we can talk about the, uh, the rules that I mentioned. So the first rule was that there could be no ties. Games that were tied at the end of normal play would go into extra time, and if they were still tied after that... There would be there would go they would go to penalty shootouts. The second rule is the one that really draws attention. If a team happened to win by golden goal in extra time, that goal would count for double. So instead of winning two to one after being tied one to one, they would win three to one. Mm, right. Okay. Which may which and since these kinds of standings and who makes it to the next round are kind of predicated on goal differential a lot of times that makes a big difference yeah that's really huge that brings us to the actual game which started normally barbados nicknamed the bahan tridents needed to win by two and they actually went up by two pretty early in the match 
For the rest of the time, they played defensively until the 83rd minute. Granada, whose nickname is the Spice Boys, managed to <laughs> score. <laughs> okay. All right. I, what's crazy is they were like, what's great about our nickname is two two guys on a podcast will hear it and they'll start calling themselves that. I'm, I'm Boy Cumin. I'm Paprika. I'm Boy Cilantro. Granada, a.k.a. the Spice Boys, managed to Woo. score in the 83rd minute. That meant the score was 2-1, to one, and since Barbados needed to win 2-0, to zero, they realized something. They needed to score to get through. If they did not score another goal, they would be out of the tournament and they wouldn't be able to go to the Caribbean Cup. But they only had seven minutes left, so a clear goal was going to be pretty unlikely to score like in those seven minutes. They tried for a few minutes with no success. They could not get another goal in. And then they did something weird. I know what they're going to do! In the 87th minute, they stopped attacking. They passed it to a defender. He passed it back and forth with the goalie a few times and then scored an intentional own goal. Oh my god. Dope. That's some fucking tactic. <laughs> I love that. The, Gr- the Grenadian players didn't attack during this because they, they knew that that all they had to do is defend and they wouldn't and the other team wouldn't score again so they'd just lose 2 to 1 in advance only then the other team scored an own goal and that upended everything oh that's brilliant oh yeah. was man. this the player's idea or the coach's idea like pawn sacrificed oh, move that's rook really to g2 that's a really good play yeah this tied the score which would send the game into extra time and this is where it gets weirder this would, going into extra time, would give Barbados a chance to score a goal that counted for two, right? Right. Yeah. Granada realized there was a possible countermeasure. In the final few seconds of the match, there were only like two minutes remaining, Granada saw that if it scored on either goal, they would advance to the tournament. <gasps> oh my god. This made it so that at the very end of regular time, the game became very different. Instead of one side trying to score on the other side... One side was trying to score on either side, and the other team was trying to defend both goals. That's oh my fucking God. ridiculous. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> what the fuck? These are, these are perfect modifiers to the game. That's so good. Unfortunately, I think some Grenadian players were confused about this. I think, I think some of them understood what they needed to do, and other ones were like, wait, we need to score on two goals, or... One or ours or theirs. What's going on? And Barbados successfully defended and stopped them from scoring on either goal, sending it into extra time. That's amazing. That's so good. That's the coolest (laughs) sports shit I've ever heard in my life. So wait, what happened in extra what happened in extra time? Barbados scored in like three minutes. Yeah. Barbados got the golden goal they needed. That's the one that sent them to the Caribbean Cup because they scored one goal that counted for two. How'd they do in the cup? Oh, they were eliminated in the group stages. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were... They, <laughs> they were put in a group with the home country, the host country, Trinidad and Tobago. And Trinidad and Tobago won... Uh, they draw. They had a draw in their other two matches, and they were eliminated. <laughs> yeah, it only took a few minutes before they scored an extra time, and I'm going to read a quote from the Grenadian coach, the team that lost. Mm. 
Yes, give it to me. <laughs> Grenadian manager James Clarkson said, I feel cheated. <laughs> the, <laughs> the person who came up with these rules must be a candidate for the madhouse. The game should never be played with so many players running around the field confused. Our players did not even know which direction to attack, our goal or their goal. I have never seen this happen before. In football, you are supposed to score against the opponents to win, not for them. Sorry, bud. That's not how it works this time. Get fucked, bro. This golden goal rule where it counted for double happened like it was used i think five different times throughout this like qualifying stages but nothing so dramatic obviously mm-hmm. and it was never used again after the 1994 caribbean cup oh that's a fucking bummer Are they because they could have what they could have done was they could have nuked the sport of soccer by being <laughs> like oh this this rule is hilarious and amazing that's just a rule for every soccer yeah, game. Yeah, just now. like I think that there should just be like times during the game where the goals count for double. Like, yeah, fuck score... it. Do you want to let the players? Hey, hey, hey. Do you want to let the players bring knives on the field? Yes. Fucking let's do it. Who cares? If anymore? you score, if you score between the thirty and fortieth minute, it counts for three. But if you score, if you score in the forty-fifth minute, it counts against you. And if you score at 2 minutes and 49 seconds, then you get a secret special unlock ending where Luigi's there. And if you score at in the 69th minute, everyone in the crowd goes, nice. Yeah, no, then the scoreboard just reads, nice. Nice. Uh, the official score. Remind- then nice. the scoreboard just opens up browsers. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes we talk about bummer stuff, but not today. Not Except really. Well, stuff. Tom did a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when we do, we like to go on down to the self-care corner and talk oh, about a good thing that happened to us. to do it. Uh, I'm going to go first. Jane got Rhoda a pineapple shirt. Aww. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> Tom? It's just been magic in the apartment today. Uh, I've been playing Hollow Knight, and that game fucking slaps. That Oh, my God. It's just the perfect blend of sort of like metroid-esque exploration with kind of the the dark souls style of storytelling and it's also extremely cute and i like it Mm -hmm. i i agree i've also been playing hollow knight in the last few days i am not nearly as far along as tom is but i also just i the art of the game has just been blowing me away like just like looking at it it's just really (laughs) really doing stuff for me um, mm-hmm. But I can't do the same thing that Tom did, right? So, yeah, motherfucker. I just ate your lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you totally can. Yeah, I don't want to no, just be I'm like gonna a cosign. No, I'm going to stop you. <laughs> um, so I, I, I live in, in Washington, D.C. Um, and for my self-care corner, it's that it's been raining recently and hasn't been that hot. I was going to say, mm, that sounds nice. nice. <laughs> it's It's been raining pretty much all day rain? today and yesterday, and it is... Uh. I can go to sleep without feeling like I'm melting. <laughs> a DC summer rain is... It's so good. It's Nothing's more refreshing. Oof. It's just the right amount of cool where you get like a warm breeze on you. And you're right. It's nice to go outside and to not just be covered in your own moisture for once. Yeah, it's covering just moisture. the sky's moisture. Yeah. yeah. The day before uh, we drove out to California, it rained uh, that night in D.C. in the summer. It was a summer rain. And I was like, come on, I don't want to leave now. (laughs) Yeah, summer rains are nice. 
And I also, I also, uh, prefer the colder temperatures to the warmer temperatures of the world. I would rather live in a place that, like, the average temperature was, like, 30 degrees. You went to school in the Arctic. I went to school in Vermont. And occasionally Liam would post something that was like, it's so cold in New York City. And I was like, oh, you sweet child. Yeah. Oh, you sweet summer child. And then I'd be like, never mind, Eric. Yeah, then he would check the weather and it was like, oh, it feels like it's negative 15 where you are. Never mind. Uh, Hey, if you like this show or any of the shows we do, head on down to that iTunes page and hit the star button. Yeah, leave us a rating. Maybe a review. You could also comment on the website if that tickles your fancy. And it'd be great if we got comments that weren't trying to sell us the eyelash extensions because that's the bulk (laughs) of what our comments are. That's been what most of it is, yeah. Cool. Well... Also, Either that should... or the one for a filmographer's episode that just named all the members of Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> so that's dope. Thanks, dude. <clears throat> what were you going to say, Eric? Uh, should I do my plugs? Yeah, do your plugs. All right. My name is Eric McAdams. You can find me on other episodes of Media Majors. You can also find my own podcast, Big Time Whoopsies. Uh, and another podcast I do with these two guys, we are experts. Um, it's a lot of fun. Plus a couple That's secret most... podcasts that we don't talk about anymore. <laughs> I think we are experts is our most explicitly funny podcast yep. yeah. that the three of us do. Yeah, if you're interested in less like facts about history and stuff, and and more just three goof offs goofing into each other's throats and faces. We are experts oh, is the podcast yeah. for you. <laughs> Uh, you want to hear shit like that? Yeah, you can. You can also find me by searching my name. You'll find some stuff I wrote. Uh, you to can like a confession find me <laughs> to the Zodiac crimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Audaciously Yours and my personal website, NoCharacterIsSafe.com, where I've got some essays and stuff that I haven't updated in a long time. Uh, I'll be at uh, San Diego Comic Con outside, yelling obscenities to everyone that looks like Joss Whedon. Uh, so catch me outside there. Uh, Tom, you got anything to plug? Check out King Me. I it's a Stephen King podcast I do. I think you'll like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My plug was fake. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. And we as always, you. Joey we'll doesn't share food. You.